This is Rumble Strip, America Heilman. We're into a full year now of COVID, and here in Vermont, we're coming into the winter's last stand. And I've been thinking a lot about married people or people partnered with other people who are living in houses and apartments day after night for days and months and now a year. And I find myself wondering what goes on in those houses, what they talk about, how they get on. And I found a young couple willing to talk with me about how they're doing. They live in an old farmhouse that they are renovating together. Welcome. If you had to kind of describe the trajectory of living with somebody in lockdown, are there stages to it in terms of how you communicate with each other? I feel like we've just always had a solid foundation for communication. Yeah. And but also pretty receptive to each other. Like the relationship sort of blossomed. It just reinforced what was already really good. It concentrated what was already there. Yeah. I literally could not have done this with anybody else. Yeah. And I try really hard to be supportive of my friends. And sometimes, and like, I don't want to be judgmental. I want to be empathetic and understanding sometimes it's really hard to like watch the decisions they make and now we're seeing those decisions play out um in this like pressure cooker covid scenario and it's it's painful and scary like in normal times you would be like why are you staying together why don't you guys both move on it would be better for the both of you but now you're kind of like yeah you probably should stick together because, right. like, it's the best thing you got going. Right. And it's just like, oh, God, I'm so glad that's not me. What do you think has been the most challenging? I, I mean, it's unprecedented, this chapter. Being alone together for so long is not like anything we've ever experienced. What's been the most challenging aspect of being together during COVID? Um... Luckily, we have been best friends since we were together. But we're also both independent people who have a lot of other stuff going on in our lives. And that's just really been thrown out of balance. We don't have as many outlets. Yeah. We used to be able to sort of like mix it up. Yeah. Intense dynamic with each other that might kind of carry over a couple of days and then like you'd go out and have like an experience with some friends who would totally pull your mind in a whole other direction and like it kind of reset you. Yeah. Whereas I feel like now every day you come home, you kind of pick up where you left off and sometimes things just keep snowballing or like every time I come home, like that that bowl with the crusty, I don't know what it is that you eat in the day when I'm not around is just still on the counter. And I'm just like, okay, I'm on day four now of like the bowl on the counter. Is that mine? And I think, yeah. From Saturday, isn't that? I don't know. Another thing I feel like is we used to travel a lot and form new experiences together that would buoy us through the other parts of our life, you know, small things. They're just fun and different. And so it becomes a bit sterile. and You can kind of get in your own mind. And then when you're with a partner for so long, your partner is like an extension of your mind. So you're like both stuck in your own communal mind. Yeah. It's like you can only squeeze so much out of the cookbook collection, something new and exciting. 
another recipe. So. Like, okay, now we're on to Thai cuisine. We're going to have Thai food all the time now. I mean, like, the way that I was raised... Is just, like, intake raw calories as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, food was basically fuel. Something that got you from point A to point B was something you did fairly efficiently. Like, no chewing. Family of fast eaters not being super over the top about things you bought. And if you bought it, then, like, you used it. And, you know, you used all of it and then you didn't go shopping for like more stuff until you'd finished the first stuff. So it's like the refrigerator was just sort of like naturally clean because you were using up the things in the refrigerator. He like doesn't believe in condiments or like jarred sauces that keep for years we in the fridge. We have literally an entire shelf of condiments. Half of them are like either so obscure that we can't even figure out what you're supposed to use them Except in. Except I cook with them every week. they're expired two years ago and no one will throw them away. Which is funny because anytime something's expired or dirty, you're kind of always like, that's mine. And I'm kind of like, mm. I'm actually not so sure. And you put me in this position of like needing to provide evidence that it's not actually mine. Like Who's you the, bought that. And we have to go like item buys, by item. The only person that shops in the Asian grocery store in the Lower East Side is you. I s- literally saw you using fermented black beans last week for your dish. So it's not like you don't use the stuff. That was an exception. I don't usually cook that dish. But I mean, that's I what I mean. I feel like you make these up. big sweeping statements and then I have to go through and find That was actually, I was specifically cooking a recipe that I knew was something that you were super into because I was like, oh, you're always you. kind of like subtly picking on the th- recipes that I choose, like Mr. Bean potatoes. Like <laughs> I was like, I'm going like to make a super obscure Thai Stir fry just dish. because you've never made it doesn't mean it's obscure and weird. I just made it. <sighs> never mind. Obviously, this is a hard conversation. Marriage is an incredibly private institution. And in the time of COVID, when couples are together almost all the time, it's not easy to talk about it. So I thought from here on out, it might be easier if I, if I talked with each of them privately. So I thought it would be useful just because it's such an intimate topic, you know, the topic of marriage at any time, but, you know, particularly in time of COVID, to just talk with each of you uh, alone. So now that he stepped out, I just wonder if you can, what is his character in the kitchen when he's cooking? What do you, what do you notice? The thing is, I feel bad because, like, my standards are pretty high. I come from a family of cooks, just... And where are you from again? I'm from New York. New York City? Yeah, and my mom's Italian. And food is the language of love, you know? It is our language. And he doesn't have that. He's learning. And I have to remember to, like, give him the space to do that. I don't need him to cook at my level. But I can't fake liking something that's not any good. I think that this is undercooked. I think you should have sliced your potatoes thinly. I mean, he really likes cooking with potatoes. Yes, they're great staple food, but they're famine food. You know what I mean? Like, people ate one potato during all of World War II when they were hiding 
in attics, you know, and like that is the cuisine you're presenting this evening. You have to like dress it up, you know. Well, I remember when we were like first were getting to know each other, she um, made this, I think it was like sweet and sour soup or something. She worked on it for like the whole evening. There was like a hundred ingredients and like it took half the day just to actually get all of the ingredients. And it was amazing. And I was totally like, oh, wow, this is like a passion of hers. This is like something she's into. It seems to come pretty naturally to her. You come from really different backgrounds, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean. And how has that come out in terms of behaviorisms maybe in the last year? I definitely grew up in like a pretty old Yankee family. Cooking and eating is just a task because you're focused on going out and making money and like, you know, keeping the house from leaking. And like back in the old days, it was like keeping the tractor running. And like, I never felt like it was an important use of time or money for that matter. I mean, like the ingredients that people buy today are like super expensive. You you get 10 grains of some flour that was imported from Afghanistan and it's like $27 and you use it in a very specific dish. I mean, I guess it's just sort of like a priorities yeah, thing for me. If you think about how much money went into the food on your plate. Yeah. I mean, I can't quite prioritize the food thing to the same degree. And I kind of have to like act a little bit more engaged than I actually am with the food thing. But then sometimes I resent that a little bit because maybe we should be putting our time and money into other things. I don't think he has a strong sense of taste. Like, I think his palate's super undeveloped because of how he grew up. And what? how would you describe how he grew up? Just, like, basic white stuff, PBJ, milk, like, milk with all your meals. Yuck. And the thing is that I don't think that he's curious about cuisine or food. I don't think his family is curious like, I think they're kind of dumb. I mean, that that's not what I mean. But just, like, closed. I don't think he's like that. But then I'm like, well, isn't that hereditary? What can he unlearn? And then I'm like, am I trying to un- Am I trying to deprogram, like, like, a broken person? And then it's like, I have to take on the extra baggage of, like, changing a person for the better and then being judged for wanting to change them like because they don't know like they can't see how limited they are i didn't sign up for that i don't know i'm a quarter irish we survived the potato famine it's like like it turns out you can actually live on potatoes you don't actually need more than potatoes and all the other things that are added on are just kind of like cultural excesses that are essentially like capitalistic ways to get people to spend money in order to like keep other elite wealthy people in power like i'm a yankee she's italian when we first met it was definitely a novelty and I thought it made her interesting. But now I don't. I don't think I've ever had to like think about it as intensely as in the last couple months, really. The further into COVID that we've gotten, 
we have a shared livelihood now. All of my resources are shared with her resources, and I'm not sure she knows how to like take care of Here's the thing about male anatomy that my mother taught me. They stand at the toilet and they piss all over the place. Just piss on the toilet seat, piss on the toilet cover, piss on the floor. Our bathtub, where I take extremely important baths every night, is like right next to the toilet. And I know that there's piss getting in the tub too, you know? And I can smell the urine. So that is why I've learned to clean the toilet regularly so that we do not live in a place that is covered in piss like a fucking bathroom stall in a bar. I clean the toilet. But I am not the one pissing all over the toilet. Why am I cleaning it? But I point it out to him and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, and then he just does not clean it. Like, I would rather you just say to my face, I don't care that there's piss all over your bathtub, as opposed to being like, oh, tut, tut, little woman. Like, you know. I'm just curious. I know that house renovations can be really, in the best of times, house renovations can be really stressful between couples. So I'm just, I know that he's a carpenter, and that's, it seems to me kind of a fantasy to have somebody who knows how to get things done. What is your solo perspective on the renovation? Um, well, he's just not really, like, he's not particularly fast. He's, you know, he's thoughtful and really talented, but just, like, really slow. I'm kind of like, you have the whole shop set up. You, you're, like, making things all day long. Like, you can just put these things in with those other things you're making. Put one board in, put another board in. Right, so why can't he just add your house project into his regular work? Right, just... he's got the systems all in place. Like it would add a marginal amount of time right. to like his daily routine. I just think it's so achievable. That's the thing. I like know it's really achievable if if he was just like... Just a little faster. Just a little faster. Just like a little bit faster. She grew up in a small apartment in New York City. And I think that because it was such a small space, there was this focus on every little corner of the apartment. And that's kind of her approach to like decorating the house and designing things is like honing in on one little spot and then just like working it he to death. He has come through on a lot of things that we've talked about doing that we're really excited about. So you feel like you're waiting for him in terms of your vision is slightly ahead of where he's actualizing. Yeah. But that's okay, you know? And, like, for example, I have this one area in the house that, like, we finally got it there. All the things came together. This shelf area where there's a hanging plant and there's some, like, really thoughtful sculptures. And the way the light hits all the objects in that one space really complement it. And I feel like it's this microcosm for the vision, the style, the sort of tone that the rest of the house is gonna take. She's been working on that shelf area for like three months. It's kind of the same thing as with like the cleaning of the toilet. It's like taking a toothbrush to the base of the toilet that no one can see because it's dark 
and no one's ever gonna touch it because it's the floor where the toilet is and scrubbing it with the toothbrush. I'm not kidding, for two hours. Seriously, while the rest of the bathroom is a disaster. The shower hasn't been cleaned in a year. It's, uh, it's kind of like a test where I'm just like, I'm just gonna wait and see when the shower ever gets cleaned because it's like the toilet's clean in one spot. I mean, the way that I was raised, I consider myself a feminist, but at the same time, I'm super busy right now. I have a ton of projects, I'm working long hours, and I don't have time to scrub everything to the extent that I think that she expects of me. I just think she's got the time. I imagine that this intensely long time with just one other person, that it can turn into a sibling relationship different from a, a partnership or a marriage. And I just wonder, do you have any thoughts about that? Now yeah, that I mean, just... I there was one night that I remember, you know, things can kind of get stale during this time. And I was just like, I'm going to make this night special. I'm going to get back in touch with the sort of fresh, passionate, origins of our relationship get back in touch with lockdown was over we were back at work and i remember coming home this one day and i think she had made this one meal that we had had before it might have even been the like sweet and sour soup from the first time that we hung out um and she was like dressed up it was this sort of like i think it was a silk pair of these sort of like wide leg pants. They're super colorful and kind of shiny. And there was this belt with like a very ornate butterfly belt buckle that's sort of high up on the waist. And it was kind of her like looking good and sexy, but also like kind of professional. I, like, I put on uh, this outfit. Kind of urban that, that sort of fit in. in like it was from one of the first times that we um, made love and really surprised him when he got home. There there was like the overwhelming sensation of what was expected of me. And um, I didn't want anything to do with any of it. So he, like he's he been really, really person, stressed at work lately. And, and so I, I wanted to, like, I transport know, him like from that place. I wanted us to be somewhere else. You know, in the middle of this really intense week, and she was totally aware of that. And, and when I got home, it was like, home, this is her thing. I needed to lock into it, but at the same time, I was like, she had no interest at all in how my day had been or how my week had been or how the project was going. When he got and home, I had, like, it was so sweet. He was just I, kind of in shock, you know? know kind of in shock from having been transported from this really difficult, stressful place he's been in. You know, he was he was speechless. I didn't know how to act. Like, I didn't know... Like, I felt uncomfortable in my own home for the first time ever. 
I didn't actually know who I was looking at. It was just a beautiful night. We were both so present with each other. I was just so moved, you know? You know, there's this one day where I was working from home and, you know, feeling pretty isolated. And suddenly, he showed up in the driveway and he had brought me uh, coffee and a pastry from town and just surprised me. When I saw him coming in the door, I was just like, I love this person. And I know this person, and this person knows me. I don't know what else there is to, you know, strive for. What had died and what was growing there and walk along the stream and come back up around the house. And it was like, that was our walk, was like the loop around the yard. Mm -hmm. And it kind of became like a little bit of a thing we did for a while. Yeah. Um, for a couple of weeks, I feel like, or, or maybe even like a month. Remember when you could hear the sound of the stream moving again after kind of being locked in the snow and ice. And we went down and I was like, what is that sound? And you're like, it's the stream. It's finally melting. Those were my two good friends, Jesse and Serena, and that was not a true story. In fact, they have one of the very few enviable relationships I know. I do sense that the condiment drawer may be a real issue, but I'm not sure about this. I want to thank them both for being willing to make this show with me. It seemed that it was a show whose time had come. I posted some pictures of Jesse and Serena on my website and their actual house that they are actually renovating in Plainfield, Vermont. Just go to rumblestripvermont.com and click on the show page. If you want to make a comment there, there's a comment box at the bottom of the page. I also, as always, want to thank Tobin Anderson. The music for this show is by my friend Brian Clark from Callis, Vermont. Rumblestrip is a proud member of Hub and Spoke, a collective of very smart, independent podcasters from all around the country. If you want to hear our shows, you can find all of us at hubspokeaudio.org. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>